The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Terry McLaurin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Week 8 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and thank you for joining me. Let's jump right into the sell side of the Week 8 fantasy football trade market. We'll begin with the running back portion of this market. And who would be a better sell-high candidate this week than Dearness Johnson of the Cleveland Browns coming off an absolute monster pinch hitting for the injured Kareem Hunt? And Nick Chubb last week, uh, I mean, there's been a ton of buzz about how good he's looked, even from other NFL players around the league. And uh, there's actually a lot of talk right now that he could potentially slide into uh, quite a bit of that cream hunt role. And it may not be just a Nick Chubb solo backfield here moving forward. Chubb looking to return from a calf injury here, hopefully this week, but that uh Still remains unclear at this particular moment. We'll talk about Nick Chubb a little later in this episode. But clearly, Dearness Johnson coming off a monster. You just picked him up off of waivers. You're not sure exactly what to expect moving forward. He's got Pittsburgh Steelers on the menu this week with a Nick Chubb return apparently somewhat imminent. So could there be a better sell-high candidate than Dearness Johnson, a more quintessential sell high asset than Dearness Johnson. He really fits the traditional definition of a sell high type of player. Khalil Herbert, rookie in Chicago, a senior bowler from Virginia Tech that we saw got better every day of the senior bowl, averaging over 17 points uh, the last couple weeks, back-to-back double-digit performances on 22 touches per game including four targets each week. Um, And again, guys, this is on the sell side of the Week 8 fantasy football trade market, the running back portion of that trade market. And and I'll take a minute to mention here, none of these guys this week are really must-sells. 
I think they're all just sell highs if you're attempting to be opportunistic, which we absolutely should be every week of the season because that's a winning mindset. Uh, Nonetheless, 22 touches per game, including four targets uh, in each of those performances over the last two weeks for Khalil Herbert. And he did really what nobody else has done this year against that formidable Tampa Bay Buccaneers front. He had a big game. He had a big game in week seven. Uh, He does have San Francisco and Pittsburgh on the horizon the next two weeks and then a bye week and then returns to uh, encounter the Baltimore Ravens. So clearly Herbert is a very viable player at the moment until David Montgomery returns. And I think at this point, some people are assuming when Montgomery returns, Herbert should or deserves to continue to keep a role in this offense. But I would keep an eye out for sell-high opportunities on Khalil Herbert uh, while his profile, his fantasy profile, is sky-high at the moment. And while David Montgomery's status to return is still unclear, you know, again, sometimes we don't really want more information with some of these guys. And if people still think Montgomery might be out for a while, then that only lends value uh, to the marketability of Khalil Herbert. If we find out Montgomery's going to be back in a couple of weeks, all of a sudden Herbert's value takes a little bit of a hit. So I would say every week that Montgomery nears a return, you know, we, we lose a little sheen off the long-term potential value here of Herbert. He's obviously a great guy to help you win right now, which is why I think that he is somebody that you could pedal to a win now team in your league for sure. Um, the thing is, even if even if he maintains a role when Montgomery returns, I'm just not sure what this Bears offense can really support. It's kind of a clown show. Uh, so, again, not a must-sell. Sell. Khalil Herbert is a player that has value right now. Uh, but in theory, he kind of loses value with every week that goes by. So if you're a winning team that doesn't absolutely have to have him, find a losing team in your league that needs a couple of guys to win right now win right now and you can take Herbert consolidate him with another player from your roster ship them off for a better player in return and thereby clear a very important roster spot uh, that you can use on a another important waiver pickup in the next couple weeks I mean Khalil Herbert and Deionis Johnson those guys were waiver pickups we need more spots for players like that the same would go for Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco, loved what we saw last week. 17-point performance. Uh, it was his first double-digit fantasy game since week one. He looks very good. Uh, looks like a good own and a good play the rest of the way based on what we saw, but that is still all speculative, to be fair at the moment. So who the hell knows for sure out of Elijah Mitchell? Again, a guy you probably got off of waivers you know, early in the season. Um, I'd say he's a really nice asset, but again, if you can sell high to obtain somebody elite that you can assign more certainty to, why not do it? Elijah Mitchell, very, very marketable at the moment. Damian Harris, running back of the New England Patriots. Look, we talk about this frequently on this podcast. We just bought him low in recent weeks. We just bought him low for this exact reason, because we expected a breakout. But that doesn't mean that we have to be married to him. It doesn't mean we can't be opportunistic once again and potentially look to flip him high. Again, definitely not a must-sell for Damian Harris. Clearly the lead back uh, for the Patriots and with a real propensity 
to score touchdowns, and they've been forgiving even when he's had his fumbles and his trouble this year. He looks very, very good you know, when they feed him. It's been over 20 points per game in half-point PPR the last two weeks for Damian Harris. Uh, still, he's been basically living in the end zone, and he only gets about one and a half targets per game, 1.57 to be precise. So again, it depends on who you can trade up for. And also, look, there's no buy until week 14 for Harris, which I think is these guys with these late season buys, they can come back to snake bite you a little bit later. But right now, they're great to have because you just got to keep racking up the wins right now, especially while your league mates are struggling with buys or injuries. And then, you know, maybe we can look to get out of some of these assets later in the season, too, before we get hit with those late season buys. But let's just keep running up the score right now while we can and worry about that later. Um Schedule's a little bit of a mixed bag for Damian Harris between now and then. He does get the number seven matchup of the week uh, with a 49-point game total uh, this week. Um, let's see who that's going to be against. That is going to be against the at the Los Angeles Chargers. So I do think he's a little bit less likely to get game scripted out like he did last week in favor of J.J. Taylor after, I mean, Harris could have had a monster last week if that game had stayed even. He started off hot, but Patriots pulled ahead and they turn the reins over uh, to J.J. Taylor. So I just think if you look at the snap counts, if you look at the touches, it's really not exactly what you want for Damian Harris. I'll give you guys exactly from the touchdown dependency tool at rosterwatch.com. We got Damian Harris here who has basically 4.6 yards per carry. He's really nice. Like we said, he looks good. The 1.57 targets per game definitely leaves something to be desired. He's a 15-touch-per-game guy, and the snap counts are oftentimes kind of low, sometimes sub-50% for that guy. He's a 40% touchdown dependency. So, look, we're getting everything out of him that we could have hoped for when we traded low for him a few weeks ago. But I think his marketability is up. He has a profile of a bit of a sell-high type of dude, and – if you can use him to package him up and go after a really elite player, why not? You know, if you can use Damian Harris at Khalil Herbert or Eli Mitchell and Dearness Johnson, and it's really clever to package two of those guys up and go after a bigger fish uh, while liberating a roster spot for another waiver wire pickup. These things are going to pay off for you guys. It'll continue to help you level up the, the player equity across your roster, which is going to be very, very important as we go through the motions of the season. Leonard Fournette, a guy we've talked about extensively the last few weeks, uh, but he deserves another bit this week. He's got an awesome fantasy profile at this point. He's in an awesome situation. Definitely would not be surprised if Ronald Jones got traded at some point this season. I mean, there's that's pure speculation, and there's nothing currently to suggest that that's going to happen. But I think if you kind of look, zoom out and look at the dynamics around the league and in Tampa. I mean, it, it definitely could make sense and almost could be a recommended move for Tampa. Uh, they they could bring Keyshawn Vaughn in to replace him. Geo could get more run. I think they'll be fine at running back. Fournette's already been established as the lead guy. And there's other teams out there that need a running back. You you have to imagine that the Bucks probably aren't long for any kind of you know long-term deal with Ronald Jones and his rookie contract's about to expire. So, why not get something from a desperate team while they can? It's sort of like the fantasy football trade market. That's what the good GMs and the real NFL are thinking as well. How can we be opportunistic? How can we leverage these assets? How can we look at the resources on the table in front of us and arrange them into the most beautiful puzzle possible? That's what you want to be thinking about with the players on your team and the various league owners under uh, under under potential duress. Uh, 
that you may be able to tap for a trade. That's another good point. I mean, the first order operations every week is figure out if you have any sell high guys. And then the next thing is, again, look for the teams that are struggling in your league, especially the owners that have a history or propensity for making trades. You don't want to waste time dealing with chicken littles who won't do a deal with you. Get after the guys that you know like to trade. There's there's a handful of them in every uh, single league. Anyways, Leonard Fournette, an awesome player. Again, none of these guys are must-sells this week. Um, and his situation could improve if something like Ronald Jones got traded, but that's purely wild speculation at this point. He does have New Orleans this week, and then he has a bye next week. So I think for teams that are kind of in a win-now mode, like maybe teams in the middle of the standings in their league, kind of around 500, that still need to just really plug away here, I don't think he's the worst guy to see if you could sell still really high on and go after somebody that can help you continue to win right now and maybe a player you just still have a little higher degree of certainty about the rest of the season because you know what we talked about last week is he got the 28 touches and the 63% snap count that volume was a major outlier for him but on the season but you know clearly indicative of how basically Tampa has viewed him at this point but we kind of predicted on uh, the week seven episode I said very specifically I said I would I would project Leonard Fournette as about a 17 touch per game person going forward and clearly with red you know with uh, some red zone propensity on a good offense and getting the targets which has really made him valuable this season but exactly as we predicted he, he regressed from 28 touches on over 60% snap count to exactly 17 touches on a 53% snap count last week. So again, a good player in a good situation, but he doesn't get, it's not a lot. He's just, he's not a lock to keep performing at the super high level that he has been outside of a Ronald Jones trade. So uh, again, New Orleans has been a, a tough matchup this this season for running backs. He's got them this week and then the bye. So again, I think teams kind of in the middle of their standings that need to win now that have been enjoying the ride with Leonard Fournette, you might be able to be opportunistic and do something constructive uh, for yourself as you look ahead these next few weeks using Fournette as an asset. James Conner, another guy I think you could continue to look to sell, but you know, again, a, a great keep, not a must sell, only a sell high. Another touchdown in week seven for Conner. Another double-digit fantasy performance for Connor in Week 7, which he's accomplished four of the last five games. He's a very solid fantasy asset in this offense. However, the facts are that James Connor averages less than one target per game, less than four yards per carry, barely over 13 touches per game, and is almost 50% touchdown dependent. Those are the hallmarks of a bit of a sell-high guy, especially when you put it in the context of Chase Edmonds returning to health, who has zero propensity for touchdowns this year, but is is a really excellent player in that particular scheme. And Edmonds, uh, we'll get to a little bit later, he did regain control of that backfield this last week. Again, James Conner, a fine keep, but a decent sell-high asset on the season. Um, one running back that I'm not sure, I got two guys, one running back and one wide receiver this week that I think they could live on either side of the trade market and are just interesting dudes to talk about. Guys we've talked about in the past this year on on this podcast. Zach Moss in Buffalo, he has some juicy upcoming matchups, and his bye week is now in the rearview mirror, which is quite valuable as we look ahead. 
Uh, it was a weak performance in week six for Moss before the bye. He could be a little bit out of sight, out of mind, kind of no no game last week and an average game in week six. And it's still been a pretty close split with, with Singletary. Um, so it's a situation where his owners may not think that highly of him. On the other hand, it really felt like Moss has had a pretty big edge uh, the last four to six weeks in Buffalo over Singletary, and and the fantasy box scores re- reflect that. I mean, the last six weeks have been really nice overall fantasy scores for Zach Moss. I just think this kind of depends on how he's valued in your league and what your situation is. He may be Zach Moss. He he could be a buy, he could be a sell, or he could be a keep depending on your particular situation. Zach Moss, let's have a look here. He's uh, over on the Week 8 Roster Watch matchup tool. Zach Moss, it's the number three matchup in fantasy this week for fantasy running backs. They're big favorites. The Bills are at home against the Dolphins in a, in, in a big over-under game. This could be a good week to keep Moss. could be a good week to see if you could buy him low. It could be a good week to roll him out one more time and then maybe see if you can shop him or market him uh, at his apex next week. Folks, let's turn over to the wide receiver side, the wide receiver portion of the Week 8 Fantasy Football Trade Market. This is the RosterWatch.com Tradecast, and uh, we are here talking about players that we would consider selling in this week's Fantasy Football Trade Market. And again, it's in terms of the sell side this week, I don't think any of these guys are must-sells. I think they're all potentially just sell really high if the right opportunity comes across your desk. And I think you'll be a little bit shocked to hear this first one because it's a player we love. It's a player we think is the absolute real deal, and we're in no rush to get rid of him. We're more than happy to ride this horse the rest of the season. But based on what I've been seeing coming through the comments section at rosterwatch.com, various trade scenarios, and and to an extent his actual profile, you know, a little over seven targets per game, with just eye-popping points per target, eye-popping yards per catch, and a couple other good wide receivers on the team, it is fair to consider Jamar Chase a sell super, super, super high, depending on your situation. It's hard for me to imagine that many people that own Chase aren't winning. If you happen to be a losing team that rosters Chase, I've seen it coming across the comments section at rosterwatch.com, a couple of people out there, saying that that's their situation, so I guess it can happen. Uh, You know, there's all kinds of combinations for teams and records out there, so I guess it is a possibility for some of you. Much like we said Jonathan Taylor the last few weeks, you'd hate to part with him, but he's actually, if you're in the situation where you have to liquidate, you know, he's at the paragon of his value. It's not a player, and there's some underlying factors to their profile that Say, okay, if I had to move on from this guy, as long as I'm getting a lot in return and it helps me complete a more competitive starting lineup because maybe that's been my issue, maybe I'm just thin, my roster is thin, especially across my starting lineup, then he is a guy you can make some sense about that. Again, we're in no rush to get out of out from underneath Jamar Chase. But when I saw this deal come across the message boards at rosterwatch.com, I had to include him in the sell side of this episode. We had a user at Rosterwatch who needed a couple players in return and he was offered Terry McLaurin and Leonard Fournette for Jamar Chase. 
And the truth is, I don't want to get rid of Chase, but as I thought about it, I said, I have to admit, that's a pretty fair offer for two really good players. So again, if you're a team that's looking to liquidate because you've identified you need a couple more really good players in return to improve your situation or help you win the next few weeks or fade some buys or some injuries, then Jamar Chase actually is a logical candidate to to consider doing that with, especially if you could get a combo and basically equivalent of like a McLaurin and a Fournette. I mean, in, in many ways, McLaurin, not a huge downgrade from Chase, also a very good player. And as we've discussed, Fournette, you know, a pretty damn good fantasy player this season. Uh, maybe you can even do better than that. But Jamar Chase is the wide re- fantasy wide receiver two on the season at only 7, 7.29 targets per game, which puts him down with Cole Beasley and Hunter Renfro and Robert Woods in terms of targets per game. Speaking of Robert Woods, I think it just is what it is at this point. There is a massive chasm behind between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup this season. They're, they're both playing an enormous snap count percentage. They're the clear starters on the field. The only person on the field more than them is Tyler Higby, but these guys are you know, upper echelon snap count guys. And Cooper Cup has not had a single game this season with less than 10 targets. And he's, Cup is averaging 11.57 targets per game so far this season. Whereas Robert Woods, at the same snap count percentage over a large sample now, is averaging only just a hair over seven targets per game. And he's only had double-digit targets once this year. Outside of the 14 targets in Week 5, Robert Woods has really been more of a five- to six-target guy. And you've kind of had to live on him getting in the end zone uh, to save your fantasy day. Still in half-point PPR, Woods has posted four double-digit fantasy performances in a row. So if it's kind of like a less assuming owner in your league, I think you can peddle that. That's marketable. If they're just looking down at the fantasy box score, he's really only had one game of less than 10 points in half-point PPR formats this season. So again, the fantasy profile, not bad for Woods if somebody just kind of opens his game logger's box score and looks at it. Points per game on the season, Robert Woods, he's he's a wide receiver too. And half-point PPR points per game on the season. Still ahead of guys like Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Tyler Lockett, and T. Higgins. So depending on the circumstances in your league and the other owners that you may be targeting, I do believe Robert Woods could have some marketability, and I would try to upgrade over him while I can, uh, doing a deal with a less-informed league mate, likely a consolidation deal. Woods plus another player uh, to level up. Robert Woods' his bye week does not come until week 11, another potential uh, aspect of his marketability uh, for those managers you may be targeting that need guys that can help him win the next few weeks. Look, Woods doesn't have a bye uh, anywhere on the horizon. Michael Pittman in Indianapolis, a guy that a lot of us own using the cheat sheets at Roster Watch this year, uh, a really interesting guy preseason that uh, we were able to get late in our drafts and overall it's been a really nice season I think a lot of people excited about the big play uh, they saw uh, this last week out of Pittman that nasty game in San Francisco was a Sunday night game in horrible weather uh, look Michael Pittman has a nice three game home stretch coming up Tennessee the Jets and the Jaguars somehow the Jets have turned out to be kind of hard for fantasy wide receivers 
But I think you look at that schedule and say, that's a pretty enticing schedule at home the next three weeks for Pittman. T.Y. Hilton is close to returning, potentially even this week. I would consider selling Pittman high, though, while there's a lot of buzz in the air right now. There certainly, certainly is. He's been kind of a hit-or-miss asset on the season, kind of one of these dudes that's been good every other week. Um, You'd like to see a little more consistency. You'd like to see more targets. It's only seven targets total over the last two weeks, so three and a half targets per game the last two weeks for Pittman, only 7.14 targets per game on the season. And he's coming off of two of three fantasy performances that are you know, we're 17 points per game in half-point PPR, kind of sandwiching a, a four-point stinker again, kind of a microcosm of how he's been on the year. I, He's a fine as, asset, but Pittman's been like a, a somewhat less than a must-start flex, you know, through this portion of the season if you've, if you've managed him. And I know because I've had him, right? If you just played him every week, you would have been pretty happy, but it hadn't been, been that clear. And uh, there's definitely been a down week. So, again, Michael Pittman very much in the same bucket with a Robert Woods. I think both guys that if you can upgrade, get yourself to a, a, a player in a higher echelon that you feel more confident in every week moving forward, I would say uh, that would be somewhat of a shrewd move. Uh, we've been telling you for weeks you know, to buy low on Jalen Waddle. I think probably a lot of you guys that listen to this went out and did so, and it's really paid off. I think he's a fine keep and a really fine young player. Yards per catch leaves something to be desired. It sounds like we got Devontae Parker coming back into the mix. Uh, Will Fuller not back in week eight, it doesn't sound like, but getting closer. Possible trade for Deshaun Watson in the works in Miami. So I just think some things up in the air with Waddle where he's fine. Just keep playing him. Keep him right now if you need to. But again... I think you kind of monitor a situation and see if you can sell high on him maybe in the next you know week or two, as uh, you know as we possibly get close to these other receivers returning and who knows what the transition would be like. If obviously Watson would be an amazing quarterback, but he's got chemistry with Fuller. Who knows what the transition would be like uh, there? So I think it's interesting. You know, part of the trade market is relinquishing headaches. Part of 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 an enjoyable and successful fantasy season where you are kind of measured in your approach because this is a long season uh, is relinquishing the headaches, relinquish the headaches. And sometimes we could do that through the trade market. Take a couple of guys who give you a little bit of a headache every week, or you're projecting to begin to giving you a headache in the coming future and just get rid of the headaches. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. 
Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Get to a more reliable asset in a uh, position that you can rest a little bit easier, but you're going to need the energy. We got a lot of weeks to go uh, left here in the fantasy football season. And then we'll finish on the sell side of the week eight fantasy football trade market, the wide receiver portion of this discussion again kind of very much like Zach Moss a guy that I think a a player that's been on this podcast many times already this season and a a guy we were trying to sell high on there for a while while we could and now I'm just not sure what bucket he falls in it most of it just depends on like totally circumstantially on your league how he's perceived what the situation is around this particular player and the dynamics of your league, I, I do believe DeAndre Hopkins is kind of like a three-way go at this point. He could be a buy, he could be a sell, he could just be a keep uh, at this at, at at this juncture. But again, just an interesting guy. I think he's going to be in play on trade markets. Um, he's a guy just he's a guy to, to definitely monitor. Um, here's the thing: it was another double-digit fantasy effort in Week Seven for DeAndre Hopkins which, again, was mostly contingent on scoring another touchdown. I mean, he's right at 50% touchdown dependency and standard, which is astronomical and and never been sustainable. Uh, Still less than seven targets per game on the season for Hopkins. We've had the emerging Zach Ertz narrative now who came right in, gobbled up five or six targets, looked really good, clearly going to be a red zone threat. So another another guy in the mouths-to-feed narrative. Uh, that's kind of been submarining DeAndre Hopkins' value this year. Uh, I will say it's interesting, though, if you peel back the onion a little bit, Hopkins has gotten nine targets in two of the last three games. And the fantasy box score looks really good the last three weeks. He doesn't have a bye until week 12. So I think this is all circumstantial. I, I will say, you know, just judging by the temperature of folks that I see on Twitter or on the message boards at Roster Watch. There's a lot of people who have gotten so low on DeAndre Hopkins. His, his, his managers, his owners have gotten so low on him that maybe they're too low and maybe this thing is like ricocheted back to where he was a sell or a sell high in the last couple of weeks. And all of a sudden in some leagues, I, I do believe he could be a little bit of a buy low. It could be a situation where uh, he's still a sell high because he has this marketable box score and you know, uh, there's still some other indicators that we're a little bit concerned about. It could be a keep if you want to see what's going to happen because he got these nine targets two out of the three weeks. If DeAndre Hopkins starts going to eight, even nine targets a game, that's a big difference for a player like him uh, the rest of the way. So very, very interesting to monitor what is going on with DeAndre Hopkins, and I would recommend that you certainly do the same in your league. All right, folks, let's turn the page to the buy side of the Week 8 fantasy football trade market. Of course, we'll begin with the running back portion of that discussion. And a guy I wish we'd spoken a little bit about last week. We just, I can't include everybody every single week. I think a window may still be open, though. At least a player I definitely really want to talk about is Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns in the post-Kareem Hunt, you know, era I guess we could say for the foreseeable future the rest of this season I I truly don't think Hunt is going to have any viability until fantasy playoffs and at that point who who even knows so this this to me makes Nick Chubb very very valuable 
Minus what we saw to Dearness Johnson and 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 what role he may take on. You know, you're hearing a little bit that this Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton will and both contribute to uh, filling Cream Hunt's shoes, which could make it a little bit more of a three man backfield than we'd seen in the past. Uh, you know, it's, and these calf injuries are ret- tricky to return from, and that's what Chubb is also coming back from. He's got Pittsburgh Steelers on the docket this week, which is. You know they've been a little banged up on defense, but that's never the easiest uh, matchup for fantasy running backs. I just I really think we should keep a close eye on Nick Chubb right now. He missed the two games with the injury. Uh, we'll see if he gets a full workload this week coming off the calf injury. I mean, clearly he's a guy you're going to have to pay up for in all likelihood because you would imagine anybody who's rostered him has kind of absorbed these injury weeks and also pretty excited about the prospects of Nick Chubb without Kareem Hunt back there but you know there's there's some interesting circumstances here and um if it creates any opportunity to buy Nick Chubb I'm certainly interested in it maybe it's not this week maybe it's next week but keep a very very close eye on what's going on with Nick Chubb I absolutely think he'd be a nice player to bring home uh, rest of season Aaron Jones Running back 16 in points per game in standard formats, even with his usual abundance of touchdowns that we've become accustomed to annually. Six touchdowns on the season for Aaron Jones. Not enough to put him as an RB1 in standard on points per game so far through the season. Some of that has to do with the 16.43 touch per game average on the season. Uh, he is getting the four targets per game still, which is really, really nice. He's kind of being shown up by a guy like Eckler with a similar profile this year. Eckler's kind of doing what we got used to Aaron Jones doing in the last few years. But, you know, we know Aaron Jones is a good situation on a good offense. A couple of guys look like they might miss this week with COVID and in, in Green Bay, which could lend itself to definitely more touches this week for Aaron Jones. Um, if you look at his total points on the season, he's been more of a, a, a top 10 guy, which I think is reasonable because he's been durable and available. Um, so it's been a good season, but not a stellar season for Aaron Jones. Arizona is a tough matchup on paper this week, even though we think he'd probably benefit from the absence of looks like Devontae Adams, maybe Lazard. Um, and you're not going to get Aaron Jones for cheap, but I do think he is available coming off a six-point game in Week 7. I think his owners view him as a mid-range RB1 right now instead of like a top three to five guy which he may or may not be by season's end, but I, I would take my chances if I get my hands on. If I could get my hands on Aaron Jones, I'd absolutely take my chances on him, and he doesn't have a buy until week 13, which uh, entices me. On the flip side of the Arizona Cardinals running back situation, Chase Edmonds. Again, we're on the buy side, the running back portion of the buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. Uh, Chase Edmonds, he's been quiet for a month. Hasn't scored a touchdown all season. James Conner certainly been stealing the show lately. Edmonds has been dealing with some minor injuries. Uh, He did have 16 touches, though, this last week. And he's averaging over four targets per game. You know, again, that's kind of Eckler-ish. That's kind of Aaron Jones-ish in a pretty damn good offense. And I think what people maybe aren't paying attention to is he he outsnapped James Conner two to one, like sixty-six percent to thirty-three percent last week in snap counts. He outtouched James Conner. 
I still really like him in this offense and would be extremely smitten to bring Chase Edmonds back to my roster as a flex play the rest of the season. Josh Jacobs, running back, Las Vegas Raiders, left the game with a a chest injury in Week 7. He's now headed into a bye week. We've got Kenyon Drake getting involved with more action in the post-John Gruden era. Um, Still, Josh Jacobs in half-point PPR has scored over 14 points in each of his last three games. I think you can obtain Jacobs heading into the bye pretty economically right now, and he'd be a really nice flex or even RB2 down the stretch. Again, these next two guys are players we talk about weekly, and this is mostly for teams that are at the top of the standings and have the luxury to absorb these guys for a few weeks until we get uh, until they return or we get more clarity on the injury status. But Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, certainly, if you're a if you're fantasy rich, like and you're up in the standings and you got the assets to do it, and you think you can make it through the next few weeks with. Without those guys, go get Barkley. Go get Christian McCaffrey. Those are aggressive championship-winning moves that if they don't work out, you're going to sleep very, very well at night. But there is a very, very good chance if you're a winning team, you bring those guys on board that it is going to work out and you will go very, very, very deep into the fantasy football playoffs. Moving on to the wide receiver portion of the sell side of the Week 8 fantasy football trade market. We got a big name wide receiver here. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Two monster games, week one and week four, and the rest of the season has been decent. Target volume has been pretty good. Um, again, you're never going to really buy low on a guy like Tyreek Hill, but when those guys even become available, it's kind of news in itself. And I, I roster Tyreek Hill. I'd hate to part with him, but I, I do think the sentiment is probably that he's available. You just don't get the feeling that the Chiefs players are totally untouchable at the moment, especially coming off or off the just a really atrocious uh, Week 7 performance all around for that team. Tyree Kill, one of the biggest fish in all of fantasy. These are the guys that we live to go after. And even if sometimes we've got to quote-unquote overpay for them, if we're fantasy rich, that's what we want to do. At some point, if we're already stacked up and down our team and we're winning and like let's start upgrading our starting lineup and start turning this thing into an absolute juggernaut. Julio Jones, Tennessee. I think you can buy him for pennies on the dollar right now without any guarantees though. That offense in Tennessee is heating up though. And he looks good when they go to him. I think Julio Jones looks quite good when they go to him. He still looks like a very, very good player. Obviously, when healthy and when being targeted, two things that are up and up uh, up in the air right now. Only one double-digit fantasy game for Julio this season, back all the way back in week two. The last month has been two goose eggs for Julio Jones due to injury, and about five points per game over the last two weeks, where he's only been getting four or five targets a game. If you watched, though, last week, I say if if Tennessee had not surprisingly blown Kansas City out early and often last week, I really do think Julio was going to have a nice week seven in that matchup. He started off pretty fast in that game. Obviously, it turned into an A.J. Brown show, but I do think there could have been more for Julio had that game script uh, stayed on track there. Uh, Has a top five matchup this week. Julio Jones does at Indianapolis in an expected 
an estimated 50.5 point game total on the sports books. It's the third highest of the week. I, this could actually be a really sneaky get right spot for Julio Jones. Again, you're only going to want to go in on him if you get a, you know, a great deal on him. But uh, I really do believe Julio Jones can be had for a major discount at this moment. T. Higgins in Cincinnati, 15 targets in Week Seven. Jamar Chase, the rookie, stolen the show. Higgins is actually technically still running slightly behind Tyler Boyd in terms of snap counts, but Tyler Boyd's star in Cincinnati does feel like it's fading pretty quickly with the two young bucks, Chase and Higgins. Those guys are both filthy and clearly the future uh, for the Bengals and for Joe Burrow. And, you know, speaking of Burrow, the way that Burrow and this offense are heating up in Cincinnati, I think that offense is on the brink of being electric. If so, there should be plenty to go around. Again, we mentioned it earlier. It's not like Chase has been hogging all the targets. I truly think there are better days ahead for T. Higgins as the the pendulum probably swing back a little bit his way, I think, rest of season. A really good young player. He's got some red zone chops, Higgins does. Again, a a player that you're only going to really be interested in if you can get him on the cheap. But if you can, I think T. Higgins is a really interesting flex option or wide receiver three the rest of the season. Chase Claypool in Pittsburgh. Roethlisberger leaving a lot to be desired. Claypool was hot after the Juju injury. You know, it, it stood to reason that he would be a nice asset the rest of the way. He had the one nice game in week five and uh, after the Juju injury. But then he had the bad week six, and then it's been a bye week. It's kind of only averaged six and a half targets in those two games. feels like it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for Claypool. I think people were trying to sell high on him a few weeks ago. He's certainly not a must-buy Chase Claypool, but an interesting guy who may be had for cheap with his buy in the rearview mirror. Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons. His manager's still not getting the returns they hoped for. I mean, that's just the flat-out truth. Even we've been on this track all year. He's getting the targets. There's just the fantasy production. It's not happening. At some point, you got to face reality. We've had the emergence of Kyle Pitts, who's gone for what 263 yards or more. I I think the last two weeks is almost 300 yards receiving, over 250 yards receiving for Kyle Pitts. Uh, Ridley did get 10 points on a touchdown last week to save his fantasy box score. You know, again, this is going to have something to do with how his owner perceives that. But likely his owner is well aware of the fact that he only had 26 yards on only four receptions, and it was like really close to being a fantasy stinker. I believe his most of his managers are probably well aware of that. Uh, while we stay aware of the fact that he's still getting 10 targets per game, and there's really no other competition at the true wide receiver position there in Atlanta, I think it depends on the cost of acquisition for Ridley. But we could still have a healthy interest here in a buy low trade through a consolidation or you know if we liquidated a, a player and we got Ridley back as one of the pieces in return I think we could live with that as well I it it may just not be the season we hope for for Calvin Ridley this year but uh, a calculated risk would kind of dictate that you know we 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 still have some level of interest in Ridley in the right deal DJ Moore Carolina Panthers Three pedestrian weeks in a row. Sam Donald looks horrible. Still, DJ Moore's had 23 targets over the last two weeks. It's almost 12 targets a game in the last two weeks. He's clearly the lead guy in Carolina. 
He has good matchups on the horizon. He's only 23% touchdown dependence. I think there's a little bit of meat on the bone here for DJ Moore. No buy until week 13. You got to have a little bit of faith in what's happening with the quarterback in Carolina and even with the coaching and the play calling, which is a little bit of a speculative move at this point. But I think DJ Moore is a would be a a pretty ripe acquisition at this juncture of the season. And to round out the buy side, the wide receiver section of the buy side of the Week Eight fantasy football trade market. Look, we talked about it last week. We look for artificial buy. Sometimes guys aren't buy lows. That you're looking for like artificial moments that that create at least a purchasing opportunity. And I think that's happened maybe here this week with Devontae Adams, who's left his owners in a bind on a Thursday night game. That's always tough to get that straightened out. He's probably going to miss the game being on the COVID list. And uh, look, I mean, he's less than 20% touchdown dependent, which is great. I think he's got upside for sure, if you look at that. But he hasn't been scoring maybe the way his owners had hoped. And points per game on the season, Devontae Adams is wide receiver seven. So again, much like Tyreek Hill, you're not going to really buy him low. But I mean, it's, it's, it's headline news, the fact that he could even be available. And I think the opportunistic folks out there are looking at this and saying, you know what, I'm going to move in right now on Devontae Adams. is probably the only chance all season to target him in the trade market. A couple of tight ends on the buy side of the fantasy football trade market this week. Darren Waller will continue to put him here. Uh, look, he's beat up heading into a buy. Didn't play last week. I think this is a quintessential power move by a winning team playing with a big stack, though, right now. He hasn't had a double-digit fantasy game in a month. He's only averaged a very steady seven targets per game since from week two on. He had a monster target output in week one, and after that he's been a seven-target-per-game guy, which is not what people expected. It's a calculated risk that I think will pay off for anybody that doesn't already have an elite tight end option on their roster uh, so if you're a team that's at the top of the standings and can take this chance, Darren Waller, still a very uh, alluring acquisition that is more likely to pay off than not to. And TJ Hawkinson, been pretty mediocre, tied in of the Detroit Lions. Mediocre for the last five weeks. Been a long time since Hawkinson kind of looked good at the beginning of the season. Even with all the wide receivers out in Detroit, it's, you're just not getting what you would have thought. He's got a decent matchup this week against Philadelphia. And then he's got a bye week. So it's not great for Hawkinson right now. That said, he's averaged, uh, he's had 20 targets over the last two weeks. So I like 10 targets a game for TJ Hawkinson in an offense that plays from behind with really no valid wide receiver options. May ultimately not be what we hope for this season out of Hawkinson. But I just think at tight end is such a tedious position to try to solve on a weekly basis that if I didn't have a real long-term solution there, I wouldn't mind picking up TJ Hawkinson for cheap and you know basically playing him every week the rest of the season. Last but not least, folks, we don't frequently talk about quarterbacks on the fantasy football trade market, but there's uh, one this week that I, I definitely think deserves a bit of a discussion, and that's going to be Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Like I said about Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs fantasy players don't feel untouchable right now, which that's kind of like the headline news. It doesn't mean they're going to be easy to obtain, but usually these guys are untouchable. 
Mahomes coming off an atrocious week seven, preceded by two what I'd call decent performances uh, a few weeks before that. It's been three weeks of kind of meh out of Patrick Mahomes, at least relative to expectations for his managers. And um, I just think on the season, it's really only been two outstanding performances for Mahomes. Obviously, he is still an absolute nuclear weapon in fantasy and one that we'd be very, very thrilled to acquire if we were looking to upgrade our quarterback position. Uh, and I think we're just fortunate that maybe a little bit of a buying moment has has opened up here on Mahomes. Uh, he just really hasn't stood out from the other kind of like, you know, top five, ten quarterbacks, uh, uh, fantasy quarterbacks in the league this season. And, uh, you know, this is uh, an opportunity that it will not present itself very often. So, folks, think about it. Think about taking Khalil Herbert and Eli Mitchell or Damian Harris and James Conner or Leonard Fournette and Robert Woods. And, you know, can you go after Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones or Tyreek Hill or DJ Moore? Uh, What kind of deals can you do for Chase Edmonds, T. Higgins? If you're liquidating because you need more players to help you win. I think some of these buy low options are are good options. Get a couple of these guys in in return. Uh, Do yourself a favor, continue grinding, keep working waivers, keep listening to the rosterwatch.com tradecast all the way through the end of the trade deadline this season. And until next time, Rosterwatch Nation, so long. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.